Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Welcome, everybody, to the Christmas episode of the Unregulated Podcast. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. I'm Mike McKenna. And this is episode number 63, Michael. Can you believe it? We made it this far. I can totally believe it. <laughs> we have nothing right. better to do. Okay. Um, where should we start today? I, I think uh, it's pretty clear. Can I, can I, I know you got a list of things, but I wanna I wanna start by um, let's start by wishing everybody a Merry Christmas and um, and thanking them for their friendship and guidance and feedback and all that other stuff over the course of this year. How about that? I love that. That's a good start. And uh, keep it coming next year. Uh, we were commenting recently that in spite of all the challenges that we have faced, it has been a pretty good year. We're still here. Everyone is relatively healthy. And uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff piled up under this tree of ours that we're going to start ripping into tomorrow. So there you go. Um, all right, so this this is the sort of elephant in the room these days, uh, the Omicron variant, which has basically like ripped through apparently Washington, D.C. Um, and other places. Um, the tyrants <laughs> have resurfaced. Uh, I think there's a, a couple of clips here that I want to pull up, but Mayor Bowser uh, has basically announced not only are we masking up, but beginning January 15th, we're going to be uh, having to walk around with our papers. I don't know if you caught that yet, Mike. Yeah, no, I did. It's a, that's, a, that's a new one in D.C., right? Yeah, so it, they're following in the footsteps of uh, other tyrannical uh, leaders, such as the New York governor, the new New York governor, who's meet the new boss same as the old boss um and others and other big cities now basically you have to in order to enter any building establishment restaurant bar i don't know if it includes retail i have to go back and look um but uh, uh yeah we're going to be carrying our papers now so interesting i'm not sure uh, how that's going to affect things but uh i certainly am not overly excited about it my hope is is that my hope is that a month from now, everybody sort of gets that this is just the seasonal flu and we move along, but I'm not counting on it, just hoping. It. Yeah, and you know, if you, if you think about it, like this particular quote unquote variant um, is acting exactly like a pretty bad cold, minus the disruptions. Um, and, and they have been shouting at the mountaintops from South Africa that, you know, 
y'all, this is going, you're going to be happy about this. This is a good thing, right? None of our people are dying. Um, and everyone's getting it, right? Like sweeping through areas and whatnot. So um, is this sort of the end? I mean, Phil Kirpin pointed out that uh, Spider-Man grossed like 250 something billion dollars at the at the box office and said this is the end of coronavirus right like people are packing into theaters so i, I don't know the answer to the question but i do know this dr fauci has had some nice words to say for the unvaxxed amongst your family if someone in your family isn't vaccinated should you ask them not to show up uh yes i, I would do that i mean i think we're dealing with a, a serious enough situation right now that if there's an unvaccinated person, I would say, I'm very sorry, but not this time, maybe another time when this is all over. Yeah, well, that last part is the part that's the tricky part, right? When this is all over, I, I don't even know what that means. You know, I, I, you know we've said this a hundred times. Nobody's going to blow a whistle and say it's safe to go back into the pool. Well, the thing is, Mike, this, this is the part I wanted to sort of, you know, get your feedback or touch a touch on the white house issued a statement um on the 17th and i want to read an excerpt from it just a little with a little um clip here our vaccines work against omicron especially for people who get booster shots when they're eligible if you're vaccinated you could test positive but if you do get COVID, your case will be asymptomatic or mild so okay i'm not i'm gonna pause there for a second and say how do they know? Because um, how many unvaccinated are getting this are ending up in the hospital? But set that aside. We are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing, and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. So our message is very clear. There is action you can take to protect yourself and your family. Yada, yada, yada. Whoa. It, I mean, I, I, um, it's certainly a different way to think about things, isn't it? It's just, <laughs> yeah, that I've read that statement a hundred times and I, I have a hundred different questions about it. But the main one is who signed off on that, right? There's only two possible answers: either, either the um, review process at the in the West Wing is totally busted, possible, or these guys are legit crazy. That's also possible, but there's no third answer, right? I mean, it you you basically they seem like they're wishing death on a bunch of people. Well, I mean, honestly, like the it, it's surreal to me that people are lining up in these camps right of like you if you don't get vaccinated i hope you die is essentially what they're saying right yeah. and they're telling parents tony is telling families hey you know that crazy uncle jim who's not vaccinated? yeah he's not invited to the family park to, to christmas this year right like I, I, who who are these people well i mean well of course the doctor is a doctor right oh uh, the great thing about that the, the funny thing about that statement is yeah some other time right you'd say not now some other time you know he himself is 82 i'm like dude 
at the age of 82, you don't have that many other, some other times left on you, right? Um, and if you're right, if you're, if Dr. Fauci's right, right, um, that the vaccine um, means this thing is, is going to be no worse than a common cold, why not have them over? What difference does it make to you? Right? Yeah. I mean, there's been a, a lot of like positive cases um, um, popping up. Like, for example, my wife's um, cousin's son, young boy, on asymptomatic positive because, you know, he's in school, he got tested, right? Because maybe someone else got po positive. So then he got tested. He didn't have any symptoms at all. And they're not coming over tomorrow, right? Um, a buddy of mine's was in Cincinnati, um, was spending Christmas with his brother, sisters, mother, etc. His brother's son tested positive, asymptomatic, busted up the whole deal, right? So he's back here in DC, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and so on and so forth. There's plenty of cases of that. And then you got folks who are like, Well, I was gonna come over, but man, this this thing is crazy. I just I don't think I feel you know comfortable coming going into your house. So um, I, I don't know, man, I, I've never, I've never had a situation in my life where we sit around and talk about each other's illnesses, right? Like you, you've been to like parties where someone was clearly sick, <laughs> right? So, um, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, there's two, there's two things, right? Two things that are, that are two things that are polluting this whole conversation, right? And it, it bothers me. They both bother me quite a bit. One is, um, the data is crap, right? You know, we United States government isn't even really getting any data, right? They're using international data. They're using Johns Hopkins data. They're using everybody else's data. There's no, the data is not any good. None of it, right? Um, which makes all these decision-making very difficult. That's thing one. Thing two is, um, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine last night, right? Um, you know, she said, hey, the messaging's bad. I'm like, the messaging isn't bad. We've been lied to, right? Right from the get-go, the guys at public health um, have claimed these things were vaccines and they're not vaccines. They're therapeutics. Yes, thank you. Thank you. They're therapeutics. And I'm perfectly comfortable with the idea that they're therapeutics and not vaccines. I'm not mad about it. But what I am mad about is that for a year, we've had doctors, guys with MD behind their names, tell us they're vaccines when they know it's not vaccines, right? If they had told everybody the truth from the get-go, it would be a lot easier to explain all this stuff because how many news stories have you seen that lead off like, hey, Dave, Dave, somebody, right? A congressman, a basketball player or whatever, um, you know, tested positive despite the fact that he's been, you know, double vaxxed. Triple, triple vaxxed, right? And you're like, dude, read that sentence. You, yeah. you know, you've you've constructed a sentence that has at the core of it some falsehood. So those two things, right? The, the the lack of data, for which I blame both the Trump and the Biden administrations, and the um, this claiming it's a vaccine again, for which I blame both the Trump and the Biden administrations for calling it what it's not, greatly complicated this whole conversation. You know why? The other thing, the back end of it, it's it's meant that you know talking about therapeutics um is now out of bounds right just, well they trashed therapeutics right. in the beginning and, and to suppress the idea that anything other than the mrna um would be the solution and there's there are mon the monoclonal antibodies um which is a therapeutic 
the governor of Florida has been using um, as a therapeutic. Uh, the, the you're exactly right, and and the part that, the other part that bothers me is the suppression of information from from other doctors who who say, are saying just what you're saying. Yeah, and I, which is know, I'm not guys. The, let's not kid ourselves, okay? These are what these things are, and people should choose, right? It's not like we're yes. having this fight over flu vaccines. Yeah, and and that's you know that's the thing about it, right? You know, by by, and the the person I was talking to, my friend last night, said, well, you know, they they probably did it because if they didn't call it because it because it encouraged the uptake, right? It encouraged people to get the shots probably true um, but but in in public policy like in much of life when you construct something that's a falsehood and repeat it over time you eventually um set up set yourself up for disaster right you know eventually truth catches you and that's that right and that's where we are here and i'm, okay. I'm not but the part that's really troublesome to me is that how how we are literally like ostracizing people who are unvaccinated or yeah. uh, creating a, 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 as the white house said, I hope you are miserable and I hope you, you know, rotten hell basically. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's well, and it's partially because of the language you use, right. Unvaccinated makes you sound like you're, you're responsible because you've chosen not to accept a therapy that doesn't, you don't want to do. Right. A vaccine and a therapy are two different, very different things in our in our mental architecture, and and we just, you know, we've now, like you say, we've kind of let this thing get tribal and crazy. Um, you know, for all you know, um, I mean, the data is the data is pretty clear, right? You you do better if you take the vaccines. The vaccines, even I drop into it. If you take the shots, you do better but I'm not mad at people who aren't willing to do it for whatever reason. I don't care. I'm just like, yeah. what difference does it make to me? Because the, the underlying lie of this thing is that the vaccine somehow minimized the spread. And that's just not the case at all. This is not the yeah, case. I mean, it, it, I, minimizes, you know, it minimizes your own personal risk if you get sick, but it doesn't minimize the spread. And, and right. that's, that's the, that's the central um, fatal flaw of the lie. Right. Right. And so now what's happening is, is all the, all the sort of stenographers and all the sort of, um, mar, you know, follow uh, order followers are saying, I don't understand. I did everything right. Yeah. I triple vaxxed, I triple masked I, and I still got it. Like yeah. what happened? Yeah. I and mean, like people feel like, Oh, I got the scarlet C like, I can't talk about it. It's like, you got it. Right. Yeah. Like, why should I have to show vax proof of vaccination when I got the damn thing? Yeah, I mean everybody, you know, it's a it's a highly contagious respiratory disease in a in a running through a population of eight billion people. Everyone's going to get it eventually. Well, the good news is is that like a good virus, it wants to spread as far as it can, but doesn't want to kill everybody that it actually has to has to depend on, right? It, it, that's kind of what this thing sounds like to me is this latest version of it is sweeping through communities, giving people, making people feel really crappy for a little while and then moving on. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, 20 years from now, hopefully I'll be dead by then. Um, 
in 20 years, we'll be able to have a serious conversation about what the public health community did on this thing. Uh, but right now we can't. Well, I would, I would add to that the public health community and the governing community as well and how they yeah, use this to their, to their, you know, to, to, to go after what they've, you know, wanted to do this great reset this build back barrel has been around forever. We've talked about this at the very beginning when we started making these podcasts. This language isn't new. Well, this is all recycled language. This is their agenda. Their sort of globalist yeah. redistributionist agenda. Yeah. And they're using this thing um, to, to scare the hell out of the public and, and beating them into submission, basically. I get that. But you also got to look, you also got to look in the mirror, right? You know, this has been a this has been a bipartisan um it's been a bipartisan catastrophe right you know the the, the, the trump and the republicans deserve some of this chunk right because they, i I, they, I, agree. I agree and that's and that's and that's something that's going to be hard for everybody that's why i say it's going to be 20 years from now because everyone who's responsible is going to have to be dead before like we can actually have an honest conversation about who did what the who um it would have been much better at the top of it if Trump had said, we're not developing vaccines. What we're developing is therapies. And you know what? We're not locking anybody down and we're not doing 15 days to stop the spread. And if they had marginalized Dr. Fauci, to be honest with you, right? Um, it, it, but they didn't do any of that stuff. Instead, they poured kerosene on the fire. They called it vaccines and they passed the CARES Act. Yeah. Which, you know, there's a lot of gateway drug going on there. Yeah. Anyway, well, listen, I, I won't, we won't continue to beat on this. I, I do. I'm sorry that it has disrupted uh, people's Christmases and I hope everyone feels better that have gotten it. But every story that I've heard so far has been, man, I, I've got a little bit of a, like a cold kind of deal. Um, and I tested positive and they clearly don't, you know, want to spread it around intentionally. Um, but it is disrupting a lot of people's Christmases. So, um, you know, um, hopefully uh, you'll be still be able to spend some time with with your loved ones and um focus in on what tomorrow's all about so yeah all right what, what do you got next all right so um i gotta uh, i'm gonna set up the next segment with this little clip BBB is dead and there was nothing we could do. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone. We had a problem. His name is Joe Manchin. You, you, I'm confident we're going to get, we're not, we're not, you haven't heard the last of it. How about if I say it that way? No, but it has been fun to watch. You got to admit. I, um, you know, it's the first time I've ever thought that Manchin might actually switch parties. Uh, no, he's not going to, there's no reason for him to switch parties. None. Uh, well, I don't, th I don't think there is either, but, but, but the amount of anger and hostility pointed at him has been pretty impressive. Yeah. He's taken it like a champ too. So, so, um, let's start out with the, the sock, the circle back statement, shall we? <laughs> the setup here obviously is that Manchin told the White House and some other folks that he is done with this business 
and then went on Fox and in a very public way said, this bill is dead. I'm not voting for it. It would be better off starting over. To which, going back to your point about who's clearing these statements. So here's the quote from the, from the press secretary. Just as Senator Manchin reversed his position on Build Back Better this morning, we will continue to press him to see if he will reverse his position yet again to honor his prior commitments and be true to his word. And that, of course, uh, followed up with a Schumer uh, announcement saying that he will be putting the Build Back Better bill from the House on the Senate floor right after the new year, which I'm just I'm like, please, please, sir, please do that. And um, and then, of course, there's been some back and forth. And of course, Manchin being Manchin. And I don't mean this in a bad way anymore. I'm starting to understand him since we spent the whole year talking about him is I think he gave them a very clear opening to pass something very large and very bad and very like, you know, meaningful to the, to the progressives. Just uh, there's nothing inconsistent with what he has said about this legislation. Um, I mean, he basically gave Schumer the, a, a very clear path to pass something very large, but very much pared down. Right. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, that you hit it right on the head, right. That, that, that he's been pretty consistent the whole way on the only, the only thing that if I was on the other side of this, the only thing that would annoy me is, is that, um, you know, <laughs> nobody ever just got him down to, okay, what will you vote for there, friend? But, in all fairness, that's a deficiency of Senator Schumer, of President Biden, and of the not very good Office of Legislative Affairs in the current West Wing. Um, you know that that's the job of those three guys. Those three operations was to to sharpen that pencil, and they just let him. They let him just drag it out for a whole year. I would. It, it, this should have been a three week process. I don't know how it turned into a whole year. They really. I, first of all, it, thank you. Thank you, Senator Pelosi. Like, it's almost like if we could devise a methodology for them to like maximize their uh, their their potential for being slaughtered in the midterms, they're doing it. They're doing it right. Like, there's no way this bill in the House is ever going to look anything like what what can pass the Senate, even with Mansion like being much more cooperative, obviously, and. Now Schumer is threatening to bring it to the floor. How many Democrats vote against that the House bill if it goes to the Senate floor? He's bluffing. There's no way he's going to bring it to the floor. No, he's not going to bring he's not going to bring that House bill to the floor. What he's going to do is he's going to bring the Senate text to the floor, right? What they have, just what they have. He's going to he's going to make Manchin vote against it. But the funny thing is, is I suspect there's going to be three or four other people who are going to vote against it as well. And that's even the going Senate, to be even the Senate text, right? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because, hey, look, our big theory here, and I don't know if it hasn't changed at all. I don't know if you've changed it. Um, you've changed your mind. But my big theory here is that there are four or five guys hiding behind mansion skirts. And, in fact, Kirsten Cinema said that in an interview last week. She said there are three or four senators hiding behind, she said, my skirts. <laughs> yeah. Which is, that's really. <laughs> She's epic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which is calling guys out for being cowards in, in the most in the most delicate way she could, I suppose. 
Yeah, I mean, she's been quiet as of late, but she has been pretty resolute as well. I mean, yeah. like, why isn't he going to switch, Mike? Because he doesn't have to. Like, if he <laughs> had, if he had, like, he, there have been so many chances for that to happen. And it doesn't change anything in the Senate. No. And, and he won't do that to Schumer. Like, that's the joke around here is like, as, as mean as they're all being the progressives. And then Schumer's only doing this because of, uh, you know, the, the dynamic uh, that we've talked about all year long as well, which is he's got this crazy cult figure like nipping at his heels, right? So um, all of his actions that are un-Schumer-like are, are as a result of this lady. And we cannot yeah. allow, we cannot allow the climate crisis to become a catastrophe, which is what is, which is what is represented right now with this bill going by the wayside or being trimmed down any further. Because as I've said in the House Democratic Caucus, some of us are actually gonna have to live on this planet in 50 years. And right now, what happens right now determines how bad it's going to be. And so this is real life, this is serious, and we need to govern like it. Uh, I love how, I love how serious this is, right? Well, it's so serious that like, I'm I'm glad we got, I'm glad we got 50 years because usually everybody says, Hey, it's 10 years or eight years or 12 years into the distance. She just gave us 50 years. I know it's the the, the incredibly, you know, the incredibly changing, you know, uh, existential threat. So anyway, um, anyway, long story short is game this out. We're going to, yeah, we're going to have a, we're going to have a vote in the Senate on the Senate text um after that fails we're gonna have um we're gonna have a a pretty energetic and the reason why he wants the reason why schumer wants to have it in january is because um the continuing resolution that we're working under expires on february 18th that's the next logical place for it to get done right um you know middle february so anyway it'll fail in january we'll have a um or actually i suspect it won't actually come up for a vote i think it'll be bad the the projected vote will be bad enough that Schumer will avoid putting it up for a vote and embarrassing himself and other people. Um, anyway, February, I anticipate a, a tax title um, going along with um, a tax title either on BBB or on a CR that incorporates whatever deal they can come up with, which I think right now, right, Manchin hasn't said no to the clean energy stuff clean energy stuff listen to me hasn't said no to the energy grifting watch stuff. it pal watch it seriously hasn't said, said no vac- to- so far you've said vaccine and clean energy stuff I know. hasn't said no to the ev stuff hasn't said no to the energy grifting stuff and hasn't said no to the child tax credit right i think that's what's gonna those are the three things that are gonna happen but he's gonna get his means testing on the ev stuff and the child tax credit um is this climate what- conservation garbage coming out I think so. Yeah. The it's funny pretty- thing about it is, is that, um, you know, everyone's all jazzed up about the child tax credit, but if you get it established and means tested, it's very easy to expand those means testing things. Right. Um, and, and, you know, he's got a number of 60,000 Biden's got another 60,000 adjusted gross annual, right? Biden's number is 500,000. My guess is you're going to wind up with something about three times the federal poverty level, like 120, 125,000 bucks, something like that is going to be the threshold, which is a hell of a big number uh, to give people free money at. But anyway. Um, well, you know, the tax code is uh, notorious for trying to nudge behavior, right? So 
Yeah, the um, other thing, the other thing, in, in the in the past, Republicans would be for this. I would, I think. No, well, the, I, well, there's some. Don't they don't they want families to have children? Yeah, the problem is, is there's zero work requirement embedded in there now. Okay, right? that's the the catch then. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a huge catch, right? The the other thing I think is worth noting is, um, and this is important, right? Because I think it's going to be an issue. What Biden said, what Biden, what what Senator Manchin said, a couple of Sunday last Sunday now, was that it um, it doesn't change the, the the real fundamental problems, right? It doesn't change the fundamental points of conflict, the, and and those are those are at least three and maybe three or four more, um, the EV stuff, right? Where you have GM and Tesla lined up now against everybody else. Um, you have, you know, you have the foreign guys opposed to the domestic content stuff. You know, that doesn't, Manchin doesn't change any of that stuff. Um, on the salt deduction, you have the, the, you know, caucus of 30 guys from New York and California who are just like, look, I've got to have this, right? And lined up against the rest of the Democratic caucus. And you have the drug pricing thing. And, you know, Manchin's thing doesn't solve or complicate any of those problems. And, you know, that's why I think BBB is is probably dead, but the tax title might survive because that's part that's apart from salt. It's something that you can probably get 218 votes in the house on. Yeah, I, I don't think there are 218 votes for a salt thing. I just don't, and that's going to be a sticking point as we go into next year. Yeah, I think you're right. This this ends up being a, a, a largely traditional reconciliation bill, except for. Uh, you know, the terrible priorities uh, that are reflected in it. Um, and and to, to what uh, to what extent will it be a, you know, one trillion dollar. But, you know, if, if Manchin is successful, he will not he will knock out all the gimmicks. Right. For the number, yeah. the number will be a truer number. It'll still be a, the wrong number, but it'll be tr a truer number, at least. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's one of the things he said. He's consistently said he wants to do right. That he wants to he wants to get a true score, and that and that's and that's why you think about what he can actually do. He maybe is going to be able to get a trillion dollars spent over ten years. That's the child. That's the child tax credit. That that that, that would really be you know that that and the and the energy stuff would eat all of that. So, yeah, you know it, it's. It's going to be an interesting thing, and I think it's going to happen in February. And you know, so we'll talk a little bit more about the schedule at the end of it. But yeah, that, that, that if it doesn't happen in February, it gets really hard to get done. Yeah. All right. Well, there was actually some some good uh, bipartisan progress made recently this past week on our favorite topic, China. Uh, finally, after a um, procedural move by the senator from nike uh ron wyden to block it um he uh, wanted to make a statement about the child credit he then um allowed senator rubio to bring it uh the the uyghur forced labor prevention act to the senate floor the house version that finally passed after nancy pelosi was beaten down in fact uh, criticized by the media even shockingly um so now we have a law that prevents, um, well, that seeks to prevent us from importing goods made in 
Xinjiang region. Um, the difference between this and past um, iterations of this or declarations of, dis of, of outrage is that this the changes the presumption to a rebuttable presumption, meaning that um, the, the, it's up to China to prove that it's not being made. These, these things are not being made uh, with forced labor, with slave labor. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of process. I'm going to put a, a really interesting article in the um, show notes about this, but we're still a ways away from seeing the results of this. And, and ironically, although it's a good thing, um, there are some experts that said we're a little bit too late because China is all working very hard to sort of hide, um, to hide this. Um, and also like doing things like, um, running their stuff through other countries so that it, it's quote unquote imported from other countries. Yeah. Um, a lot of that's been going on already and even more of it's going to go on, but this is going to be a back and forth. I'm really pleased to see finally that this has happened. Um, I think it's a good first step, but we're, we're a very, very long way away from, you know, getting this, all of this out in the open. Um, but, uh, you know, Hey, uh, we got we to gotta celebrate progress when we can get it. Yeah, I think long story short, right, you, the magnitude of the votes are important, right? I think, with, I think the House, the vote, the vote in the House was 428 to 2 or something, and the Senate was unanimous, right? Um, people are way ahead of the, people are way ahead of the government on this thing, way ahead of the government on this thing. Um, I'm, I'm, and, and, and this is actually a data point on that, on that, on that assertion right that hey man you know members are members are very um sensitive to where the voters are on this thing you know it, it you can tell because there are a bunch of members who've been trying to soft pedal china for years and years and years and all of a sudden they had a vote on it and they're like yep okay because let's face it and this is where this is where we're ultimately going to get on electric vehicles right um it's going to be very difficult for americans any american to participate in this thing it just is right and when you ask people there they, they ham they haw they this they that and the other thing but when they have to make a decision it gets clearer and i think as soon as as soon as the the, the um the new energy stuff the transition stuff becomes obvious that it, it's going to involve um looking away from the fairly considerable terrible considerably terrible human rights record of china I think most Americans aren't going to want to do that. I'm, I'm really encouraged. I think it's great. I'm very much encouraged by the whole thing. And I, I think there's three components of this that are, that are, you know, worth just ticking off. The first is that the companies themselves have to clean up their act. Right. Yeah. And they have to stop like pretending that they're, they're, you know, woefully dependent on China for their cheap, labor and for their you know uh where they sourced all of this stuff and you know to some extent we encouraged it all the, all those years right we need to get china into the you know global economy and blah 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 uh two um and i am encouraged to see outfits like the new york times running exposés on some of this stuff it's finally after years and years and years like the other day someone was lecturing me about like the content of lithium batteries and evs and things and i'm like 
okay, I guess you don't look at my stuff, but 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 the fact that others are actually starting to say it now yeah. means that we're getting the word out there, right? Yeah. So so that has to happen. But the third thing, uh, Mike, which is going to be really hard, is like changing our habits, yeah. right? Like, what can't you buy? You can't buy. So you have. It's very difficult to buy something on Amazon that's not made in China. And unless and until we change our habits, you know, you can, it's like practice what you preach is what we talk about the climate hypocrisy all the time, right? Like we got to start looking for source. I mean, even if it's not, if it's somewhere else for starters, right? So it's, we're a long way away, but you're right. I mean, this Olympics thing, uh, you know, would be a great, I think is going to be another great um, example or an opportunity to, to sort of highlight a lot of this stuff. It's, so. it, it's going to be, it's going to be bumpy, but you know, the thing is a big win, lots of bipartisan, you know, lots of bipartisan um, harmony on this one. Right. And the administration didn't hesitate at all. Now they signed it, but they didn't put it. They did. They interestingly, they didn't have a signing ceremony. They just had them sign it. They didn't even invite the press in to take pictures. So that tells you what I've said all along is the administration's backing and forth on this one. Um, but over time, they're going to, they're not going to have any real place to be other than where they're, they are, right. They're going to have to be, um, you're going to have to be China Hawks. And that yeah. too is that, you know, I'm, everybody talks about how uh, democracy is failing in America and blah, 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 and all that crap. Truth of the matter is, is that when the people agree on something, um, political guys, follow along right and and we seem to have widespread agreement about hey man the, these guys are not right and we don't want to be part of it yeah well the european energy crisis continues uh to worsen uh, natural gas prices have have like you know blown up over there i think more uh, the last time i checked it was hovering around the equivalent of 60 dollars in mbtu um, the cavalry has arrived, huge, you know, shipments from the United States. In fact, the U.S. is going to likely be the world's largest exporter of LNG uh, when this is all said and done. That, that will impact the price here, though. And then we're going to hear the markets of the world crying that we shouldn't be exporting this, this stuff, you know, so get ready for that next year. Um, but the latest is Kosovo has announced rolling blackouts, literally before christmas um and that is a consequence of of what's going on over there the policies that have been put in place over there um so now they're forcing these things in one of the poorest countries in europe uh right before christmas so and ironically of course uh in 2018 the world bank pulled the plug on a project to build new coal power, coal fire, coal fired power plant in that country so yeah I mean, it, it, um, you know, good and bad thing about America is we don't care about what happens anywhere else. Um, you know, usually that's a good thing. Um, in this particular instance, it's a bad thing because, you know, what the Europeans have done over the last 10 years is this transition that everybody in America on the left is talking about. We need an energy transition. You're like, we're seriously watching it in Europe. The other thing that's really odd is, um, Germans are going ahead with closing those nuclear plants, right? They got about four gigs of nuclear power. They're going to close at the end of this year. Um, 
or start start to close at the end of this year. Um, it, it's the craziest damn thing ever, right? It, it makes no sense. But yeah, well, that that's a good point. I want to bring it this short clip in. Um, uh, there's a, a gal, um, Dr. Vijaya Rachma. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. My wife's going to be really upset. Ramachandran, uh, who talked about this very thing from her perspective. Even if Africa tripled its natural gas use um, from what it is now, if it makes it three times as much, it'll add another 1% to global emissions. I mean, we're really talking small amounts because they are using so little energy um, as, as, a, as a region. So this is not, you know, this is not anything to be afraid of. I think what we should be far more concerned about is Germany shutting down its eight gigawatts of clean power and spewing, as I understand it, 60 million tons of carbon dioxide per year into the air when this when, when its nuclear plants close down. That is far more damaging than anything that Africa is doing in terms of developing its its natural gas. So yeah. So, you know, this is good. I mean, we're not the only ones saying this stuff anymore. Well, and that's been the goal, right? Like we need a lot more voices and we need unconventional allies on this. I mean, this lady is, um, um, you know, not in our free market circles by any means. She's uh, the director of energy and development for the Breakthrough Institute, which is, you know, half and half. So. Yeah, it, 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 it look, I, I, I think I said this last week in the podcast, I'm really interested in what the emissions in Germany are in 2019, 2020, and 2021, right? Uh, I'm in 2022 now. It, they're going to rise, they're going to go up, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be, um, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a moment for all, um, people who are guided by data more than they are by their own propaganda. All righty. Uh, well, our hearts go out to the poor souls in Europe who will be hovering around probably burning coal or wood to keep warm uh, because of the rolling blackouts. It's, uh, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're 10, 12 years behind them on this journey. Unless we, unless we um, get reconsider, we need to write the ship. We're going to be working that much harder next year. Uh, I am, I'm out of topic, sir. I'm going to turn the floor over to you and then we're going to get out of here. Cause you got a Christmas tree to decorate. True. The only thing I got is I got two things. First off, um, at a dinner about a month ago, I had a rather spirited discussion with friends of mine about the value of the filibuster. And, um, and I am in the minority here. I said, look, the filibuster is, as I've written in the, at least two columns now and a couple of monthly notes, filibuster is about protecting United States senators from having to take tough votes. It's not about protecting voters. It's about protecting senators. Um, it's Senate rule. Um, so what Senator McConnell did on the debt ceiling um, is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. He constructed a legislative uh, approach, maneuver, regime, however you want to say it, a legislative plan of attack that allowed Republicans to not have to fight over the debt ceiling, right? They, so they so they had no friction, right? And that's what, what his caucus obviously wanted him to do was please don't, you know, put us in a spot where we can vote no on this, but it can happen anyway. And that's what he did. Um, 
and that's a and in doing so he created a precedent for how you evade the, the the filibuster more generally but he made my point for me right the filibuster is used to hide people um used used by senators to hide votes they do they do not want to take um so i want you to think about what mcconnell did both as precedent and um a data point that that indicates that I'm right and other people are wrong. That's, that's <laughs> and that's really what this is all about. <laughs> just, I just just want to just want to make sure we're all keeping score. That's all. You, you um, know, the good the good thing about um, being right is um, you you know you don't have to boast about it. You just kind of like like smile and sit back and relax, <laughs> and watch people well, come to you. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, brother. No, I look. McConnell, it's dead. I mean, this is what Reed did with judges, and and McConnell upped the ante, and now McConnell set this legislative filibuster in motion, and Schumer is going to take advantage of it, probably going to go for it on you know something um, sure. uh, next year, maybe the voting deal. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, this is the beginning of the end of the filibuster, and 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 will will it be? You know, we'll still be recording podcasts and we'll be able to talk about how it has changed the Senate and how it has changed legislation. And who knows, it might end up being, I think, as you may have pointed out a long time ago, uh, might end up being to the Republicans' advantage at some point. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely going to be to the Republicans' advantage. I'm, I'm, Republicans have a have a, um, a built-in advantage on the on the you know when things are counted out by states. Right, right now we have twenty-seven governors. Versus 23 for the Democrats, we hold, I think, 63 or four state legislative bodies compared to 35 for the Democrats. So Republicans have a definitive advantage on statewide elections in this country. Anyway, it, it's just remember, the filibuster doesn't protect you. It protects them. Point of the day. Um, Last thing I wanted to point out is the um, next year, when you're thinking about what, what Joe Manchin's ultimate um, capitulation to um, the Build Back Better crowd, um, when you're thinking about that, think about the press schedule next year, right? We have an election year. We have a continuing resolution that's due up on February 18th. President has to do the State of the Union, doesn't have to do a speech, but does, is going to do a speech. Latest that's ever been done, President Obama did one on February 12th. Right. So we're going to get a little tangled up. Um, I, I, I think what's going to happen is we're going to have the State of the Union before we have whatever legislative deal Manchin and Schumer come up with, which is going to be a little embarrassing for the president having having to talk about it in his first State of the Union instead of having it as a as a um, victory for America. Right. Um, and then we're going to have right away, we're going to have to go into um, appropriations for FY23. Right. And we're in an election year, so people are going to want to get out the door September, October. They're not going to, want to do these, you know. Let's you know stay here all stay here all through the fall. So, if we don't get something done in the BBB space by the end of February, pretty tough to get it done, right? The other thing is, on that compressed schedule, Democrats are going to be thinking really hard about clearing their decks as far as confirmations because Republicans are going to take the Senate. And once that happens, it's going to be very difficult for, for Democrats to move anything, right? Assistant secretaries, district court judges. Yeah, well, um, there's there's a couple of points on that. One is uh, he managed to get 40 judges through. Yeah. 
yeah was double trump's first year although the long uh, the long course i don't think he's going to get as many but paid zero attention to to political appointees yeah i was going to say we still don't zero. have an OMB director but what that tells you too is is that all these mistakes you keep pointing to all these like you know smart smart men and women in the white house um they you know i don't think they're overly uh, you know i think they're yeah. i don't think they're overly concerned about that in other words uh, no, because no. they're running everything out of that shop anyway which is a mistake obviously because they keep stepping on it um well and, you know prime minister klein isn't turning out to be the genius that everyone described him to be at least based on the track record so far when your guy is you know probably suffering the worst polling of any modern president in history including the uh you know that of the previous president who everyone um likes to pan on so i, I don't know uh, i don't know if they're overly concerned about it quite honestly i also think that well i think they're going to get concerned about it because i think you know i think they anticipate that after the midterms he's going to announce he's not running right so they're they're their reach into the Congress is about to vanish, right? Um, so they're going to want to finish whatever they can finish on the BBB um, tax side and then start confirming guys because the last thing they want to do is have this guy announce, hey, I'm a lame duck because then forget it. You're never going to be able to get anybody to come in the administration. They will, it'll be a ghost town for the last two years. And so if you, if you are correct, sir, um, if, this, if this is the path that is taken, uh, this will be the shortest presidency in our history, um, except for maybe a couple of assassins. Well, Ger yeah, Gerald Ford, right? But um, right. yeah, it, 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 for, for a for a fully, you know, yeah, yeah, for, uh, sorry, yeah, 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 because I mean, look, he, he, function of being, you know, eighty years old or seventy eight, whatever he was when he was elected, right? It, it, there's no way he's running again. And it's just a question of when he announces that. And he pretty much has to announce it by January of next year, 2023 now. Because um, he needs to give everybody some time to, to, to gear up their own campaigns, right? Um, so, yeah. And next year, like I said, compressed legislative schedule, um, a bunch of things to do. The specter of the Republicans taking over the Senate and the looming lame duckery of the of the administration it's going to be a hot mess yeah it is <laughs> and we'll be there <laughs> and we'll be there to give you all the inside scoop uh but in the meantime we wish you a merry christmas have a wonderful wonderful day and i assume week uh most people check out between christmas and new year's um we're probably going to come at you next week right yep absolutely we're, right. we're we're working 24 7 for the american people that's right baby um, all right. Well, Mike, it's been a, a great uh, ride this year. Uh, you've been a, a true friend and, and colleague. Uh, I wish you and your family the very, very best and um, uh, relax and enjoy, enjoy t the, the spectacularly important monumental day that is Christmas. Yeah, man. Have a, have a Merry Christmas. All right. All right, y'all. We are out of here. We'll close with a little Christmas music to trail you off. Merry Christmas, everybody. Namaste.